0: Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. All right, well, I get to do our intro, introduce our speaker this morning since Pastor Luke is out. Um, but he wrote something, so there's a little touch from Pastor Luke. But um just wanna reiterate that we hosted a mission team from Kansas this week. We um spent the week repairing the CPC pregnancy center. It was very hard work. Um, but we're so thankful we were we were able to bless the center. Um Greg and the team there at CPC are doing a gr- a good work here in our city and um I know it is the heart of God to see lives spared, and every person is made in the image of God and has dignity and value. So what we did, even though it was just a facelift of the building or repairing the building, um, it has eternal impact, and we're so thankful that we could be a part of that. If you want to know any more details, Zach and Jeremy were so gracious to lead our team in the nitty-gritty of all of that, and um, with that, I will introduce Darren Stroud. Many call him PD, and he does a lot of things, so I'm going to list them. Um, he is a part of the Assemblies of God Kansas Ministries, Dis- and he's also the DYD, so the district youth director. He's been in that position for 17 years. He's a graduate of Central Bible College, and he earned woohoo! He earned a Master of Divinity from Southwestern Assemblies of God University. Woohoo? And he's been youth pastor for 12 years. He was youth pastor for 12 years at Colonial Heights, Pastor Luke's former youth pastor, not old youth pastor, former. He um, is a director of Sagu Wichita, which is Southwestern Assemblies of God University there as an adjunct professor. um, And he's also an AIM director. He has been on the National Youth Advisory Committee for the AG Youth Ministries. He's here with his wife, Marlene, and they have a family, Christian and his wife, Haley, granddaughter, Atlee, and grandson, Royal, coming in September. Victoria and husband, Dylan, Justice, is getting married in October, so they are empty nesters. He likes to play golf, basketball, sports, movies, games, family, all of the fun things. If you are wondering where Pastor Luke and Janie get their fun, probably being in their youth ministry. But here's what Pastor Luke said. He said, The first time I heard of Pastor Darren was when my nephew Ryan had a dirt bike accident. My sister Kim told me he had been to see Ryan several times. The first time I saw him on a Wednesday night at a youth service. The theme was crisscross. There was a hip-hop duo that started a trend of wearing their clothes backwards. Hat, shirt, jeans. PD did all that to make his point, as well as leading worship and preaching. Marlene taught our Sunday school class. Um, Pastor Luke says, I was an obnoxious know-it-all. But Marlene handled it with grace. Petey helped officiate um, Pastor Luke and Janie's wedding as well. So he's been a pastor, a ministry model, and a friend. And Pastor Luke says he has loved his preaching and he thinks you will too. So as we welcome Pastor Darren, I also want to just throw in a little bit from me personally Pastor Darren, I met when he came on a missions trip, I don't, before 2007, and he actually gave me a scholarship to Southwestern Assemblies of God University, and so that's been a huge impact in my life, and I know that where I am at today has been a part of my time at Sagu, so thank you.
1: All right, awesome. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Luke and Janie. They said they were going to be watching, but, you know, they're at home, maybe they'll watch it later, and uh it, is a, it has been an honor. It's an honor to be back. It's crazy. I think it's probably maybe 10 years or so ago that uh, I was here. Uh, my wife wasn't here on that trip. And what a transformation, the church. It looks amazing. Great job. And um, thank you to all of you who were a part of our team. You saw the picture up there earlier. This is not our entire team. We have 27 that are here. Uh, the rest of the team is in Palmer. They've been there serving all week doing a great job. And let me just brag on them, first of all, because as I told uh, Zach and Jeremy specifically, uh, we, and I'll lump myself in there because I am not a Mr. Fix-It. We are not skilled labor. So when they told us what we were going to be doing, I said, hey, we, we're we just not skilled. I can demolish things. I can break things. I can destroy things. But fixing things, I'm a pretty good painter. But other than that, um, but our hearts are right. And we came with an open and willing heart to serve, and they have done that. Uh, I know that the weather could have been worse, but we found out. Uh, Pastor Kiki told us this was a 20-year record of the, the wettest July in 20 years. So our team weathered through all of that. Um, for us, it's been over 100 degrees uh, the last couple of weeks. And so to have a 50-degree temperature di- difference and then working uh, in the rain and all that, team, great job. You guys did a fantastic job. They didn't complain. Yeah. They did not complain. They did so so well, and and Pastor Luke and Janie, um, you mean so much to us. You always have. Uh, it's funny. I wish I would have remembered the crisscross because I would have done that this morning. I would have, you know, I would have just uh, broke out in some some rap and and done some of those things. But uh, he was not obnoxious. He was never obnoxious. Maybe a little bit of a know it all, but never obnoxious. And uh, Janie brought always brought so much life. And uh, I know as I as I got to see her a little bit this week, uh, she had some major FOMO uh, fear of missing out this week. And so we're just praying that they get better. And uh, thank you for allowing us to come back. Thank you for uh, having me uh, to be able to, to preach the word this morning. And uh, my uh, one of our youth pastors, Pastor Annika, uh, I want her to go ahead and come up because she wants to make a, a special presentation uh, as well. And um, we'll we'll uh, go on with the word of God here in just a few moments.
2: Yeah, so there were um, a lot of people who helped us this week, and I want to uh, give a special shout out to Pastor Kiki, so if you could come up here really quick. Um, <laughs> Pastor Kiki allowed 11 of us ladies to sleep in her house, and we all 12 of us used two bathrooms for the whole week. Um, and so we want I want to say thank you this is this is a card for you and we want to say a special thank you for investing into our students for having ha- such a great attitude helping last minute and all of those things. That really means a lot. I've already, a lot of the girls are like, can we come back? And she's like, yeah, you can stay at my house. And so thank you so much for investing in that, for investing in me personally. And I'm excited to continue to, to get to know you and share in ministry. It's important to have ministry relationships. And I feel like this is a new one that Kiki and I are, are building and continue to have that together. So thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome.
1: Awesome. And before you leave, Pastor Kiki, um, pastor Luke and Janie, um, Pastor Denise, who is not here, and the guys stayed at their house. And obviously, uh, Janie is still recovering and, you know, with everything else going on. And so this is for Pastor Luke and Janie. Hopefully they can enjoy a nice meal. So if you would give that uh, to them as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, Jeremy and Kara and Zach, man, especially Jeremy and Zach, you guys had to, you had to manage this crew and direct this crew with non-skilled labor, and so thank you for doing that. Kara cooked uh, all week, and so we really, really appreciate it, and yeah, for everything. And the biggest thing is, is Kiki overtook all of the direction, and it was last minute. Even though we had planned to come uh, back in October, scheduled the trip, booked the tickets, the team grew, and as a result of that, some other circumstances. And in April, I reached out to Pastor Luke and Kiki and said, is there any way that you can help us be able to do this? And they did not hesitate at all. So thank you. May the Lord bless you uh, for all of that. It is great to be back. And so you can turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of second timothy chapter 3 you can kind of camp out there we're going to um, be looking at that in just a few minutes but this morning i want to talk about the topic of are you convinced are you convinced have you ever have you ever taken on some kind of task that seems very overwhelming uh, as i mentioned i'm not a, a mr fix it guy i i just i'm not wired that way and so one of the overwhelming tasks is that we had, especially this particular group, was when we got to the pregnancy center and they started instructing us as to what we were going to do. Uh, My immediate thought now, I I shoveled a lot of dirt and rock and wheelbarrows, and that was fine because they just say, hey, move this. But when you start doing siding and flashing, and I'm probably messing up all the terms and all that kind of stuff, um, I was like, I don't know. And then Um, we had, we didn't have a lot of guys on this particular team. The other team had more guys. So when you started thinking about all that, I'm like, how are we going to do this? And then throw in the weather, throw in lack of sleep, throw in some not feeling well, all of those types of things. It's like how in the world, but by the grace of God, he helped us and we didn't get it finished, but. We, you know, some planted some water and God gives the increase. And we know that we had a part in what was going to happen. But we had to feel convinced. And many of the students had never been on a missions trip before. Some of them had not flown before. And so when you think about raising uh, our trip cost was $2,000 and then flying from Kansas all the way here, all of that, some of them needed convincing. And I don't know if you've ever needed convincing of something or not. Some people um, are convinced of the wrong things, like that Roll Tide is a thing, right? That's not a real thing. Roll Tide is not a real thing, Pastor. Uh, No, I'm just saying, see, they're convinced of the wrong things, or that soccer is a sport. Some people are convinced of the wrong things, right? But I'm even convinced of the wrong things. As a Dallas Cowboy fan, I'm convinced that this is the year. After a long, long time, that this is the year. Sometimes we're convinced of the wrong things. But I know that the word of God shows us over and over and over about being convinced of the right things. And the right thing is, obviously, always Jesus. And as we look at that, the the word convince, and, and you guys are aware, but the definition of that is to move by argument or evidence to believe, or to have agreement, or consent, a course of action, or to persuade. And you know in our culture today, people are always trying to convince one another, or persuade one another of something. It could be something light or fun, like what we just talked about. But unfortunately, there are a lot of other more heavy things that both sides, whether it's political or social or whatever it is, that you always have somebody that's trying to convince you of something or you're trying to convince somebody of something else. But all of us as children of God, as men and women and boys and girls, as they are in class, we all know that we have been convinced. We are persuaded that he, Jesus, is the one who made a difference in our life. And as a result of that, we want to do everything we can to make him known and for him to be famous. And so we're believing even a little thing uh, for us like uh, the work that we did at the pregnancy centers. We got to talk to uh Greg. It's so cool to think that they're going to be and there and while we were working, there were people that were coming in receiving help and we're believing that and team that you need to understand this even though when you're you're doing uh the painting and you're doing the filling of the holes and all the stuff that we did it's that building is just a a vehicle it is an opportunity because people are going to receive hope and we're going to have opportunities you and your fellow class workers you students your your fellow classmates where you're going to be able to convince convince people that jesus is the way the truth and the life. But are you convinced of that so much that it makes a difference in your world? Because I see so many people who uh, are around the church and have been a part that supposedly are in the faith that they look they are looked up to by so many people as being a strong follower, but they themselves aren't convinced of what God says. They're convinced of a lot of other things. And so that brings us to a passage this, that I want to read this morning. And I know that you have been standing um, and kind of up and down for a while. But would you stand with me as we read uh, God's word today in honor of that? We're going to read just a few verses and we're going to begin to look at what truth he has for us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Now, we're not even halfway done with our text. Does that sound like current times? Does that sound not just like the United States, but it sounds like our world in general? Maybe some of your family members, maybe some of your coworkers. obviously the media and social media and the noise that we hear says they will be unloving and forgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. Verse four, they will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than good. They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from them, those people. That's, that's a strong, An exclamation mark there. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. But they won't get away with it for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jambres in verse 10. But you, Timothy. So he's, he's setting the stage, you know, kind of that, that negativity. And here's the reality. I'm a realist. I'm not an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. And this, this resonates with me. Here's what it is. But notice what he says. But you, Timothy. Certainly know what I teach, how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will them, themselves be deceived. And notice this. But you, but you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know that they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught by the Holy Scriptures and childhood and they have given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes from tr- trusting in Christ Jesus. And the last verse, the last couple of verses, some of the most famous that many of us know, all scripture. This is why context is so critical. You hear this, you hear this quoted, and especially um, uh, as an ordained minister, especially at ordination services, you hear this. But understand why he is saying that. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Father, thank you that your word is anointed. Thank you that we have worshiped you in spirit and in truth. Now we ask that you will help us to receive what you have for us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. A little context of of Paul writing here. He's he's in prison and he begins as he's making his writings to be a little nostalgic and uh, an emotional letter to Timothy, one of his protégés. But while Paul is facing death and while he's in a dungeon he's uh, you can imagine he's surrounded by these memories and he's exposed to the elements that are that are all there and he writes this very profound portion of scripture That yes, it was specifically written to Timothy as a as a young pastor. But even today, as we know that God is the same yesterday, today and forever, that even though hundreds of years ago, this was written, this still applies to us. And even so much so as we listen to what he just talked about, I see that there are some truths as we are convinced of a lot of things that are not so good, but there are some things that I'm convinced of some truths that i've seen and i see that the the line of true followers has almost been erased Uh, i don't know about you but how you were raised or how you were grown but uh, i remember for me uh, i had i didn't have a lot of rules just because of the uh, home that i was brought up in but depending on your home situation i know for my three kids um, you, you gave them rules. You gave them boundaries. Here's where you are allowed to go. Here's where you are not allowed to go. Um, don't cross that line. And if you do, there's going to be consequences, right? And I was I was raised and born in an era where I got whooped. And I was even told to go and pick out my punishment, if you will. So, um, go pick out your switch. And so I had to go and I, I, you know, I had this, oh, it could be this and that, that didn't work out so good. I thought it would be the right thing. And then it moved to a, a fly swatter and it wasn't the end that kills the fly. It was the metal end on the other side. Now, before you get crazy, no, I wasn't abused in that way. That was the, the discipline that was given to me. But when you cross that line of here is what is expected of you to go or to not go then there were consequences as a result and as i see throughout uh, scripture from the beginning in genesis all the way to revelation i call it fences you know people look and they say well god you know god has all these rules that we're not able to do and we're not able to go here we can't watch this we can't do this i'm like no you're you're looking at it the wrong way he has given us fences and he has said if you stay within the boundaries of this these fences you're going to have life and you're going to have life abundantly. It is going to be the most absolutely amazing life possible. But when you get outside of those fences, that's when disaster happens. Maybe many of you have experienced that where when you were living within the boundaries of the truth of the gospel and what he has said, man, you know, it is great. But all of a sudden, when we start to get outside that, I know in my own life, I'm like, man, I messed up. I'm not receiving the blessings. I'm not experiencing that joy. I'm I'm trying to hide. I'm trying to conceal. And I start to look back and it's like, oh, I got outside the fence. I got outside the boundaries. And this was a a practical situation that I was able to show my kids. Uh, As a part of our responsibility over the last 17 years, we have the privilege of leading summer camps and we have six weeks uh, Of camp where we have family camp We have two high school camps two middle school camps and two kids camps And so we literally bring our whole family. We kind of move our house out to our campground and uh, When our kids were younger, we had dogs and we had two big dogs that we loved and we had a big golden retriever and a big Siberian husky and so we would created this little fenced-in area so they could be out there. And so part of our responsibility for my oldest son and my nephew who had joined us was they needed to go walk the dogs every day. And so they would walk the dog and do that. And then one particular day, we finished our camp, and uh, we were tired, got our family back home, exhausted emotionally and physically. And I got a call uh, in the middle of the night from a state trooper and said, hey, do you have a, a, a golden retriever named Duncan? I said, yes, and ended up that it got out got hit by a car, and had to take the family. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Marley and Me. That was us, and all of the emotion and all of that had to end up putting the dog to sleep. But we found out that my oldest son and my nephew didn't lock the gate. And so they had taken the responsibility. They had walked the dog, did everything, but they didn't lock the gate. And as a result, the dog ended up dying. And it made me think, you know, Man, when they were in the fence, they had the food, they had the love, they had all of the amazing things. But when they got out and they didn't know. And the same thing can happen to us. And so often, especially in our culture today, there are people who profess that Jesus is their Lord. But the line is getting more and more erased in people's faith. And you see this in verses one through nine. It it shows us what it's going to be like, not only in the last days, but what it really, really is. And that's why, you know, I'm not a I'm not a prophecy preacher or anything like that. But I just know when I read the word of God and I see where we are in our culture today, take notice. Take notice. Be on guard. Scripture is making it very, very clear. Because so often, especially in the church, especially as Christ followers, people just want to get a little bit closer. They want to get a little bit closer to that line that God says, hey, the, the object of this fence and this line is not to get as close as possible. He said, man, stay away from that. Stay away as far away. And that's how you're going to receive the blessings that he has. There are some people who uh, profess to be a Christ follower and they've erased that line even of, of themselves so so much that when you begin to talk to them and interact with them, you're like, man, I don't I don't see that. I, I love to I love sports and I, I really enjoy golf. And I was playing golf with a guy by the name of Gary. And as always, especially when I um, join up with a group that I'm by myself and I join up with a group which I really enjoy doing to be able to share my faith and, uh, and always, I don't ever bring it up initially, but after a few holes, it always comes up, well, what do you do? And for me, obviously, I'm, I always say I'm a pastor. And almost always, you know, the first couple of holes, People are themselves and, man, their, their language and all of that. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, I am sorry. I am sorry. And I'm like, look, I'm not a priest. You, you be you, right? That's what, that's what I want. And so this guy named Gary, I mean, up to this point, I mean, you talk about a sailor's mouth. I mean, he is dropping F-bombs. He is smoking a cigar. He is going, I mean, everything that you could. And what was crazy was what I enjoyed, he is a private investigator, so as I found that out, I'm like, that's super interesting. So I'm, I'm talking to him. And then as always, he said, Hey, so what do you do? And I told him, and immediately it was crazy. He was like, Oh, that is awesome. And he starts telling me about his church, and he starts telling me about all this stuff. Like, he's like, Oh man, we're we're so similar. We're we're I'm like, Did you hear me say any of those things the last, <laughs> you know, last the last hour or so? And you know what? I don't blame Gary. I don't condemn Gary. I don't look down on Gary because of how he was acting and how he was doing that. I look at it as he has not experienced the full revelation of Jesus spirit of his power that where he can have that transformation. Because you know what? All of us, all of us were at that point at some point. We may not have been to that extreme. But it may have been something else. But at some point, as the word of God says, we have blinders on and all of a sudden they're taken off more and more and more as we get. So I pray for Gary and other guys that are very similar in that same situation. And Jesus, you know, he talked about that the the path is not it's not wide. It's not like everybody's on it. He said it's it's narrow. And so it, it often makes me think of, well, how can we tell if somebody not the not that we're trying to judge but the word is very clear you know is it is it church attendance is it that they have that they have the the biggest family bible ever is it because they they give a certain amount is it all of these things they speak the the right language the word of god talks about jesus talks about you can tell by people's fruit does it line up with god's standards is it is it lining up with what he is saying he says don't erase the line don't allow the line to be erased and as we know we may not intentionally do it but we the the more that we get closer and closer and it's an inch and it's another inch and those of you in construction and measurements we were talking about this you totally understand that man all it takes is a a certain millimeter quarter of an inch and but by the time you get through all this stuff it is all off and all messed up and that's what he is trying to help us with so there are a couple of truths that i want us to look at from this and the first thing is is that there are godly examples that we should follow apostle paul is making it very very clear and i want to ask you who are your role models and you know a lot of times uh, especially in my main world of working with students we talk about all with students and our kids but you know what us adults can have role models. We do have role models. It could be a family member. It could be somebody that, and there's different levels. You know, there are those people that we're like, really, really, I, I like them in this way. For instance, golf. I, I, I like, I, I always say, I, Tiger Woods is my role model on the course, not off the course. A couple of weeks ago, I went to the PGA Championship Drove down with some friends of mine. I, I went and followed him all morning. I've seen him a couple of times. And I followed him, walked for hours, and did all that stuff. And that context, but you know what? The rest of it, no. I'm not going to follow him that way. And you know, especially some of you, the students would know this, but does anybody know the, the largest, the person who has the most followers on Instagram? Anybody know? Anybody ever heard of Ronaldo? He's a soccer player. 459 million, with a capital M, followers. Think about that. That is crazy. And what he, he, he plays a, I was going to say I almost said a sport. He plays a recreational game, <laughs> right? He plays a recreational game, but he's just doing his life. And people are interested in that. But praise God that the Apostle Paul talks about, because he says, Paul says, you, you, Timothy. So he makes it very clear. He doesn't generalize. He says, you, he puts it squarely on Timothy. Paul didn't have a problem telling Timothy, watch my life. And I know that because I know even as the Lord was speaking to me and preparing me for this message, how awkward that is, because as a Christ follower, remember, Jesus flipped it all down. Hey, the least will become the greatest, right? Right. If you lose your life, you can save it. So as the closer we get in our relationship, we're like, no, 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 no. And I get the humility, but but Jesus wants to help us. And Paul is saying, yes, follow me as I follow Christ. So we can be as the Lord moves in our hearts and as the Holy Spirit helps us, we can be the person that people should follow. Because here's the reality. We're all influencing somebody. Every one of us, good or bad. People are following you. They're watching you. I mean, you know, they're listening to what you say. They're watching where you go, all of those kinds of things. I had PD on my license plate for years. I have been in the same city for 30 years. It doesn't matter if I go to the Y, but it doesn't matter if I go play basketball. It doesn't matter. People, and then with my hair, I just always know people know who I am a lot of times. And I don't look at that as, oh man, I got to be careful. I don't look at it that way. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to follow the Lord. And as my superintendent always said, put your eyes squarely on the back of my head. I'm going towards Jesus. Follow me. And that's what he's talking about here. It speaks so clearly to all of us to follow godly examples. I've said this to my personal kids and students have heard this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. To really get with the students, I said, hey, if I'm if you didn't know that I was hanging out with you all day and I followed you to school. And I was with the students you're with. I was in the conversation, but you didn't know it. Would you be okay with that? And it still applies to us as adults. When we think about this, it's up to us to follow the right example. Great example. They leave a mark. I think about Pastor Luke. You know, a lot of times we think about and I I had to correct Pastor Kiki a couple of times because she always would say old. I had to correct Pastor Luke. Sorry that I'm correcting your pastor, but kind of as a spiritual elder, I'm like, I'm not your old youth pastor. I'm your former youth pastor. okay? but, you know, a lot of times we think about it's it's the older in that way. But there's a thing called reverse mentoring. And Pastor Luke has been a, a godly example to me. As his passion To know the word of God and to teach and preach the word of God to be an example to live above reproach and on and on and on. And Janie and and there's so many others. My my father, my youth pastor who went door to door, going door to door, inviting students. That's how I got saved through him and free pizza at 12 years old. And then got into Bible college and got married. And my wife, my father-in-law is my role model. My my superintendent, my boss is my role model. All of those godly examples. Who do you have? Who are you to others? Because there are those. And so often we think they're not there. We sound like some of the prophets. There's no one living for God. Oh, no, that's not true. There's always going to be a remnant. There's always going to be those that say, it doesn't matter what anybody else. If it's just me, I will stand. I'll be like the Apostle Paul. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a a college man who walked into a photography studio, and he had a picture of his girlfriend, and he wanted to get this picture duplicated. So he uh, gave it to the owner, and the owner noticed that there was an inscription on the back of the, the picture, and I'll read it the way I think it was probably written. My dearest Tom, I love you with all of my heart. I love you more and more each day. I will love you forever and ever. I am yours for all eternity. And it was signed, Diane. But then it said, P.S. If we ever break up, I want this picture back. (laughs) What kind of commitment is that? Are we all in? Or are we not? Yes to Jesus or no. He says, hey, come all in. Go all in and watch him bless. Watch him smile upon you. Be careful who you're letting lead you. Number two, we must be different. I, My wife and I love to people watch. We, we just enjoy it whether we're traveling or just watching, and uh, our team is different. You know, 27 different personalities. My own family, three kids. Um, My oldest is the one that kind of never really fit. We're like, how in the world did he kind of fit into our family? Because uh, the rest of us are outgoing and people, people, but my oldest son he was a homebody he didn 't ever want to go anywhere he 's a musician, even though the rest are musician, but he thought he was in a screamo band I mean just totally different and you know what his life goals were when he was younger? He wanted to be uh, we have an ice cream place in about matter of fact, we went to wild scoops right is that what' it's called that was pretty good. But um, we have an ice cream place called Brahms, which our students know. He wanted to be an ice cream scoop guy at Brahms. He wanted to be a ticket taker at the movies. And he wanted to be in a band and live out of a van. Where did we fail as parents, right? I mean, what in the world happened? But praise God, he is now a pastor. He got married and he has a kid, our grandbaby and one on the way. And, you know, we're all different. And I love how... Jesus has made all of us so different because it takes all of us to reach our world. There are people that you are going to be able to reach that I will never not only have access to, but that won't give me the time of day. There are people in my world or that I come to, um, if you saw the crew that I hang out with and play basketball with uh, at the Y, you would, first of all, you'd be scared to probably even go in the doors um, because it's just, I grew up in the hood in the inner city, and so it's a totally different, but you know what? I feel comfortable there, and I'm able to have access and be able to share our faith. But I'm telling you that we being different makes a difference, and it has something because in verses 14, to 17 paul talked about the imposters of the faith and he says but you again i love how he really hones in on timothy and he's saying the same thing to us because he's saying to all of us hey you continue on what you've learned and praise god for a biblically based teaching preaching leading church You are not getting, I know Pastor Luke and and the leaders, you're not getting anything that is watered down. You are hearing the truth on a regular basis. Praise God that the teachers that are ministering to the kids that at a very young age, they are hearing the truth of God, that they can be able to be a light into their world. He says, continue on what you've learned and what you are convinced. And so the question, are you convinced? Not because a pastor has told you, not because your spiritual parent has told you not because anyone else has ever said anything but what have you learned from the word of god what is the spirit of god speaking to you a lot of times uh you know as as pastors we get you know elevated and i understand that but the the truth is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available to you and lives in you and can speak to you. It's not just uh, the, the, the spiritual hierarchy of people that, Oh, we're the only ones. No, as you read and digest the word of God, he reveals and speaks to you. One of my youth sponsors years ago, our church had gone through a kind of a tough transition. Um, we got a new pastor in town and, um, A lot of our church, you know, the the pastor we were at had been there a long time, kind of had become the same thing and uh, didn't adapt and change a lot. And so a lot of our people went to this new church, kind of the new pastor syndrome. And I was talking to one of my Youth sponsors, we were playing tennis one time and we were just talking about how hard it was because I lost a lot from my youth group. Our church lost a lot. And he was an amazing man, is an amazing man, a Royal Ranger, boys ministry teacher. And we were talking and he said, you know, because a lot of times you talk to those people and they're like, well, we're just not getting fed. I've heard that before, Pastor. They're going somewhere else because they weren't getting fed here. And he said something, I mean, this is like 20 years ago and I remember it. He said, well, I always thought, I had to bring my own utensils to the table. I was like, are you kidding me? You're not even a preacher. He worked at Boeing, Cessna spirit. And I was like, dude, that is awesome because that's it. We feed ourselves. Thank God. Yes. I I, I thank God for pastors, right? Thank God for all of that. he, He raises that up, but we daily, that's why you cannot just live on Sunday morning. You cannot just live. I mean, I love to eat. I'm a foodie. I don't, I don't just eat on Wednesdays and Sundays. Most of the time, I don't even eat just three meals a day. I'm like a hobbit. I mean, I'm, I'm eating multiple dinners, multiple lunches, right? And that's just the physical food. And so that's why he's saying we've got to do that. I want to have a little fun here. I want to give you a little test, okay? I want to give you a little test. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a statement, and I give you permission to say it out loud, all right? Where does it come from? May the force be with you. With great power comes great responsibility. What? He's the only one that knew that? Wow, he kind of whispered that. That was good. Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. 50 years from now, when you look back at your life, don't you want to say that you had the guts to get in the car? Anybody know it? What? Nope. Who said it? Where is that? What? Nice job. Transformers. That's right. That is awesome. Good job. I wrote 365 letters. I wrote you every day for a year. She's pretty confident on that one, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The Bible. Yeah, that's good. Jeremiah, right? Cast all your worries on him for he really cares for you. First Peter five, seven, Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five, 35 for God so loved the world. Yeah, I have a little fun with that. And I know that when we get into specific Bible verses, but the point is that in our culture today, people, I hear it all the time. People quote songs. They quote movies. I've even had people quote me fortune cookies and they will say, The Bible said this. I'm telling you, I've had it. Church. The word and the truth will set us free. It will help us to not allow that line to be erased. The word of God shows us that there are examples. We can be that example. You can be that example. And that's what we must be different. What makes you different? What makes you stand out for Christ? I had an opportunity to speak at an optimist club meeting one time. I didn't even know what it was. I knew what the word optimist was, uh, not prime. That's where I first learned optimist was. But I, I, I had to look it up, and I realized it was a group of people that are just very optimistic. And I, I got around them. I'm like, this is the most positive. I've been in churches that aren't as optimistic as this particular group. And I found out they have a creed. I won't read the whole creed, but I want to read a couple of things that stood out to me. To look at the sunny side of everything and make your optimism come true. To think only of the best. To work only for the best. And to expect only the best. I could have used some of this for our aim trip before we got here, too. <laughs> to forget the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future. I could... Maybe be in the Bible, right? To wear a cheerful countenance at all times and give every living creature you meet a smile. And Zach, if you would go ahead and come on up. Think about, think about what a difference Jesus makes in our life. There are godly examples. You and I are called to be different. Matter of fact, the, the word uses the word alien. I'm a, a sci fi nerd. And when I think of that, you know, you think of all these different things, not looking like an alien, but standing out different. And I'm not, and I always talk to students, I'm not saying that students need to go into your cafeteria when you get back to school, stand on, on the table with a megaphone and say, turn or burn. No, that's not going to be effective. But living your life out loud for Christ, standing on the foundation. And the truth of the gospel. I heard a couple of years ago, uh, there were a, a couple of, of, of parents, of, a couple that had kids, small kids, and they wanted, to, they wanted to teach their kids good truth. And they came up with a, their kids were very small, they came up with a really simple game called truth or trash. And they got these two trash cans and they, got the, they wrote out on a piece of paper the statement. And some of them were from the Bible. And some of them were just kind of good statements like some of the things we talked about. And they would say it was appropriate for their age. And they would give their little piece of paper to the kids. And the kids would say, that's truth. And they'd get all excited. Or they'd say, that's trash. And they would crumple up the paper and throw it in the trash. And that got so popular, somehow they developed an app. And it became a thing. And I thought, how cool is that? That something so simple as a parent just wanting to, in a very simple way, to be able to help their kids in a fun way, a memorable way. But you know, what about us? What lens do we have our worldview? Are we looking through the world through our own eyes, through our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own emotions? Or are we looking at through the Word of God where we ask the same question? You know, our our issues are a lot bigger. They're a lot more significant the older we get. More for keeps, if you will. But I think the principle still applies. Where we should not just, I I say, check our brains out the door as as a Christ follower. But where we say, is that truth? Or is that trash? Is that... Is that a really good saying? I I think it came from the Bible. Look it up. Oh, that was really good. Man, that person. Oh, that's not Jesus. That's not the kind of follower I want. So would you stand with me? My prayer has been that and I realize that the majority in this place are going to be a Christ follower. But I also know that as a a pastor, you never know who the Lord is going to prompt for whatever reason. The, the, the stories of hearing people, especially uh, a church like this, that's on a, a main road that I've heard over the years. Our church was on a, a road as well. And I, over and over and over. I hear, well, what what brought you here? And they said, I don't know. I just drove by and I felt like I was supposed to go. Or even, or even during COVID and all the online stuff, the, the the year you know that so many people were having to be away, and I talked to people what they just tuned in online, or they just Googled. A lot of times we think, oh, that's not going to be effective, but you never know. And so, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just kind of giving the privacy of the moment to others around it. it maybe there's somebody in this place, maybe just one. You matter. You matter to us, you matter to Jesus. Where you've heard the truth this morning, the truth of the gospel, it's very simple that that God himself loved you so much, he gave his best in Jesus to die for you. And all you have to do is place your trust, your confidence in him to be the leader of your life and He'll he'll wash you clean. He'll make you a brand new person. If you're in this place and you'd say, man, I want that to be me. Would you simply acknowledge you just kind of look up at me and raise your hand? I want to pray for you if there's anybody in this place. that You say, yeah, I I want to have Jesus come in to be the leader of my life. Anyone in this place? Yes. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I know that you see all things, including our hearts. There may have been somebody that they didn't physically raise their hand, but in their heart they did. But there was one that physically raised their hand. God, I thank you that there is such a celebration going on in heaven that you will just continue to help these individuals in growing and becoming more like you, learning more of the truth. God, be so real in them. May they never forget your love. Thank you for being the example. And I pray that they will just get plugged into a church like this with leaders that are here that are following after you. Godly leaders. We thank you for that. And now for the rest of us. If you're prayer is like mine that you would say i want to be convinced more and more than i ever have and i want to be more like him than i ever have would you just simply raise your hand with me i'm i am gotten both of my hands up god i'm not looking around i have no idea if there's anyone else but i do know That's what I want. This world. Our friends, our family members, our classmates. There is no hope except through you. And God, I pray that you will help me. To keep my eyes fixed upon you. As well as the other godly examples that you have given. And Lord, for those people that are following, watching listening, examining my life. And if there's anyone else, God, that you will help us through the power of the Holy Spirit. That as we feed on your word every day and as your spirit prompts us, God, that you will help us. That when it's time to speak, that we will speak the truth in love. That we will share our story. Listen to their story and then point them to you and your story, the greatest story ever told. God, help your church. We thank you. We love you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.